broadcasting around the entire world. From Austin, Texas. Via Simplecast. And supported by listeners like you. Bitcoin billions seller trading mining markets by sharing forks millions fights wise. Keeping you up to date on everything crypto. Welcome to Thriller News. Now here is your host, Carl Gonzalez. Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world. Welcome back to another exciting episode of... Thriller News. That's right. My name is Carl Gonzalez. Today is July 30th, 2019. And yes, we're talking about Tether again. <laughs> yeah, let's just go ahead and do it. Bitfinex and Tether, the case against it. Crypto Top Stories. All right. So today's top story is the case against Bitfinex and Tether. So just here recently, as of yesterday, the New York Attorney General's office is looking into allegations that Bitfinex covered up the loss of nearly $1 billion in client funds by borrowing from Tether's reserves. While the case has been ongoing since April, Monday's hearing primarily revolved around whether the New York Attorney General's office had the authority to conduct its investigation. So New York Supreme Court Judge Joel M. Cohen said that he needed more time to make a final decision on whether to dismiss the New York Attorney General's office's case entirely or rule the other way and reject Bitfinex and Tether's motion to dismiss. As such, a preliminary injunction he filed in May will be extended until the final ruling is made available. Cohen said that I will extend the injunction. If I dismiss the case, then obviously the injunction goes with it. If I don't dismiss the case, the injunction will be extended. He also says the idea is to keep things where they are until a decision of this motion. So the decision is to extend the stay and extend the injunction. Of course, the judge rules in favor of the New York Attorney General's office. The injunction will likely be extended another 90 days. The ruling or lack thereof means Bitfinex and Tether can continue operating their businesses as normal, but Tether still cannot lend any more funds to Bitfinex. And just kind of a recap on what happened here in 2018, Bitfinex payment provider lost 850 million because crypto banking is hard. <laughs> it said that the funds had been seized by various authorities around the world and through the money was inaccessible. It was still safe, although this information was not public at the time. Bitfinex's operations were noticeably affected with fueled suspicions and led to people to fear the worst. In 2019, Bitfinex borrowed money from its partner company, Tether for the purpose of filing the $850 million hole in its pocket from 2018. And all this was revealed in April 26, 2019, with the New York Attorney General's office filed an application to force Bitfinex to seize trading and hand over a bunch of information related to this. So the interesting part to all this is uh, probably not mentioned at all out there, but the first part is very straightforward. It argues that neither Bitfinex nor Tether has offices in the United States and that neither serves New York or any U.S.-based customers. But Bitfinex has gone to pretty great lengths to actively bar U.S.-based customers from assessing Bitfinex and USDT. As such, it can't have any victims in New York and is not within the New York Attorney General's office jurisdiction. It's kind of hard to argue against that just because here recently the Blanc was able to create their own account or 
they got somebody anonymous to create their own account called I am a New York resident and accessed Bitfinex from within the borders of the New York state. So the account holder found users need only select an option saying they are not in the U.S. resident to continue using the exchange unabated. Of course, this led to a Twitter war and went back and forth. And of course, just a lot of drama ensued. Um, overall, what we're, what we're looking at here next up is waiting for this uh, decision to be made here uh, in the next uh, 90 days. So we'll see what happens after that. There really hasn't been a response from Bitfinex uh, or Tether. Um, what Bitcoin did, podcaster Peter McCormick was able to have Phil Potter on maybe about, I want to say May, around May. And he actually talked about this whole situation with auditing and, and Tether's being printed. Um, but you do need to recognize that Phil Potter no longer works for the company. So maybe what he's saying, you know, um, is to either the benefit or detriment of the company. Take a listen. Yeah, I mean, I can say a few things about that. Yeah. Um, what I can say about auditing is that the original conception of the product was that this should be something that's easy to audit. So that's kind of what's put into the quote-unquote white paper. And a lot of people make make the point of like somehow that we that we you know owe people audits. Um, I think that the purpose was uh, to suggest that you know we have third parties reviewing this stuff for the benefit of the shareholders, frankly. I mean, um, and, and, and when we were in Taiwan, I mean, the problem is that the money was so, there was such little money in there. They, we never got to that point. But even when we were in Taiwan the, and the balances started to build, you know, in that first quarter of 20, 2017, we had like a local, yeah, you know, a, a local, you know, some a local uh, CPA firm in in Taiwan, you know, do you know some monthly, you know, essentially balance balance attestations, right? And then we weren't in Taiwan after that, you know, and we uh, we eventually landed at Noble Bank in uh, in in uh, Puerto Rico, and uh, and we pursued uh, doing an audit with uh, with Friedman at the time. And I think that that process, and they didn't, they they did an initial attestation for us in mid-September, uh, because we really were, we were, we were really under attack. I mean, this guy, this this Bitfinex guy, came out of nowhere and started basically making, um, you know, uh, just accusations that are false. Um, on an ongoing basis and not just about tether about bitfinex and trading and this that, and the other i mean I, yeah i would check out that episode it's actually really interesting to see him explain a lot of these issues with tether at bitfinex again he doesn't work for the company anymore so you're kind of getting um probably either um you know, you can't really assess whether he's for Bitfinex or against it. Uh, I would also like to mention that Tether stablecoin launches on Blockstream's Liquid sidechain that was announced on Monday. It will now be possible to make atomic swaps between Liquid BTC and Liquid Tethers, a feature that the firms say will offer lower counterparty risk for those carrying out OTC trades. And, um, you know, Liquid's faster block times will allow traders to quickly complete transfers of fiat between exchanges, making more efficient arbitrage trades. So this is all interesting news with Tether and Bifinex, and this case is going to completely keep going uh, throughout 2019, that's for sure. And we'll definitely keep you uh, updated as as the story unfolds, as they say. 
Uh, I think overall, it's good to have some healthy skepticism around there. I think uh, having some healthy skepticism around Bitfinex and Tether and uh, asking for proof is uh, not a bad thing, especially uh, in the cryptocurrency space. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into Crypto Rapid Fire. Rapid fire, just in case you missed it. All right, so first up, we got Coinbase loses another executive. That's right, Andrew Ridenauer, product counsel for institutional products at Coinbase, is the last person to lead the cryptocurrency exchange. He is going over to the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission after spending 1.7 years at Coinbase. He was responsible for developing legal structures and constructing business plans and regulatory strategies for institutional products at the exchange per his LinkedIn profile. Next up, we got Ripple is praising central banks in its U.S. Congress open letter. That's right. CEO Brad Garyhouse requested politicians not apply a one-size-fits-all approach to industry. He summarized, we urge you to support regulation that does not disadvantage U.S. companies using these technologies to innovate responsibly and classify as digital currencies in a way that recognizes their fundamental differences, not painting them with a broad brush. The move comes after a month of debate at Washington over how to treat cryptocurrency with congressional hearings from Facebook's Libra digital currency in particular. Ripple's Garley House also said that many in the blockchain and digital currency industry are responsible actors. We are responsible to U.S. and international law. We are responsible to serving the greater good, he continued. Next up, we have Jeremy Alar, CEO of Circle, will testify as a representative of the Blockchain Association trade group. He will be joined by law professor Marissa Berardin and Congressional Research Service Specialist Rebecca Nielsen. The hearing is set to examine the regulatory questions around the industry and should be fairly broad, unlike the hearings on Facebook Libra's project earlier this month. This will go on Tuesday, which is later this afternoon, and it's going to be a discussion about the broader industry and what are the regulatory challenges and what can the U.S. be doing better. So... Should be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Next up, we have the U.S. Department of Defense to develop its own blockchain cybersecurity shield. That's right. In a report published on July 12th titled Digital Modernization Strategy, the DOD outlined several ways to advance the nation's digital defenses. This includes the integration of cloud and quantum computing, artificial intelligence, and improved communications through distributed ledgers. In fact, DARPA, the research ring of the department, is already experimenting with the technology to create a more efficient, robust, and secure platform to secure messaging and process transactions. This is all being reported by Decrypt. And then we also have the Security and Exchange Commission's chief of cyber unit will step down in August. Robert A. Cohen will resign from his role as executive enforcer for the cyber division founded in 2017 after 15 years of SEC service. That's right, Cohen led several investigations like Kick for its illegal $100 million ICO, as well as Centratech's $32 million ICO, as well as celebrities like Floyd Mayweather, DJ Khaled, and um, we also have uh, Ether Delta, Zachary Corborn, last year for his trading platform. Yeah, uh, should be interesting to see how much, if anything, changes once he's gone. Next up, we have Open Bazaar developers launch a crypto marketplace for mobile. That's right. Haven will allow users to buy and sell goods, services directly with each other 
using cryptocurrencies without relying on a middleman. The app is organized into four sections, shopping, social, chat, and non-custodial multi-wallet. For all features of the peer-to-peer -peer network, user information is stored locally and protected with an encryption, meaning only the parties involved in the sale or conversion are able to see those details. It is backed by Andreessen Horowitz, Omer's Ventures, Blue Yard, Bitmain, Digital Currency Group, and venture capitalist William Mugara. Next up, we have Iran's government gives the official nod to crypto mining. That's right. In a session on Sunday chaired by the country's president, Hassan Rouhani, a cabinet minister's endorsed activity and said industry participants would need to seek the required licenses from the Ministry of Industry, Mining Trade. And it was reported last week that crypto mining had already been given approval by the Chamber of Commerce, Industries, Mines, and Agriculture, a government economic commission. But on Sunday, the cabinet also said cryptocurrency users must accept the risk of the technology and neither the government nor the banks would provide any guarantee. And then finally, in our last piece of news, Square Crypto is focused just on open source Bitcoin. That is according to a Twitter Ask Me Anything with the head of Square's crypto's team, Steve Lee. He fielded questions from its followers as well as the crypto community uh, in acknowledging Square Crypto as a focused project on Bitcoin. One of the interesting questions that came out of it was a design for a symbol for the Satoshi. That's right. So, as you know, there's Bitcoin and then we have Satoshis, individual Satoshis. And so he was asking if uh, anybody wants to go and create a symbol for the Satoshi, which was pretty cool. Uh, it showed some interesting concepts. There was one that kind of looks like an at symbol, but with an S sign on it. Uh, my favorite one is the um, is the one that looks like a lightning bolt, um, but it's kind of different because it kind of looks like an S. So it's like, it's, yeah, it looks really cool, I think. I think they should go with that one. That would be my, my pick. Okay, I think that's all we got. Let's jump into Crypto YouTube. Crypto YouTube, the world of Crypto YouTube. The world of Crypto YouTube. The world of Crypto YouTube. All right. So today's crypto YouTube is a good one. I think what we're seeing here, ladies and gentlemen, is something called the educationing. <laughs> Seriously. So I've noticed as of lately, there's just a lot of people going on uh, CNBC or Fox News or any of those, you know, three letter media companies. And they're trying to train people on what Bitcoin is and why it's a good store value. So take a listen to Jeff Dorman. Chief Investment Officer at ARCA explained why Bitcoin has volatility. Can we start with Bitcoin? Because there are people who love, love, love Bitcoin. I mean, I know it pulled back about 4% today. Um, what are your thoughts on Bitcoin as an investment? Sure. I think Bitcoin is incredibly good risk reward, right? A lot of investing is about the probabilistic uh, weighted return. And I think Bitcoin has incredible asymmetry to the upside. And there is an, a, a very large macro backdrop right now that is long-term positive. And right now we're just wrestling that against some of the short-term negatives, which is why you're seeing such high volatility. Yeah, I mean, that's something that you sent us in the notes, that there's this big, you know, back and forth between what's going on short-term. And I know we've seen some volatility um, in Bitcoin. It's been exciting. It ran up, right, to 13, 14,000, then it pulled back. Um, but that long-term, 
term, is this the type of thing that you think everybody should have in their portfolio for the long term? I do. As a, as a diversifier to an overall portfolio, it makes a ton of sense. It has zero correlation to any other assets that you're going to own. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, there really is a reason to own this. I think a lot of the naysayers right now are focused on something that I think is, is ill-informed. They're focused on the fact that it has no intrinsic value. And a lot of people will then try to fight that by saying, yes, it does, and here's why. I go the other way. I say, everything else you own really has no intrinsic value either. The word intrinsic itself is a kind of a made-up number, right? So if you say that stocks have intrinsic value, that's really assets minus liabilities. But it trades at 15 or 20 times that value. So right. it's still speculation, right? You're speculating on the future assets, the future growth of this company, or you're speculating that somebody else will buy it at a higher price, or that a a potential suitor will buy. The same thing with the high-yield bond market. Almost every high-yield bond company, every company that has high-yield bonds, they can't refinance that debt at all with actual cash on balance sheet or actual cash flow. You're speculating that somebody else is going to refinance that. Right. And, and my favorite example would be call options, right? Everyone believes that options have value, but if you buy any out-of-the-money option, the intrinsic value of that is zero, but you have time and volatility and other And you had a great example pools. of that. You said uh, 3,500, right, yeah. on the S&P. Yeah, I mean, if you bought the 3,500 December calls right now, uh, with the S&P trading at you know a little over 3,000, that, that in, by intrinsic, it's, it's zero, right? I mean, you, you have not gotten to that 3,500 level, but nobody would argue that there is no value to these options. And the same thing with, with, with crypto and digital assets. You don't have to necessarily have a price floor like you might on a stock or a bond. The fact is that value is created by understanding how these dynamics are going to play out and future speculation and future uh, demand. Why is, why is Bitcoin's market cap so small when you think about how big it is in our minds and what a highly talked about topic it is. Sure. And yet the market cap is nowhere near some of our, our big guys. Yeah. Well, the reality is most of the money in this world is in institutional funds and high net worth. And it's a very you know, big dichotomy between the real money and the retail money. A lot of the retail money is in this, but that's not a huge driver. The institutional money just hasn't come in yet for a variety of reasons, either because they don't believe in the right. uh, intrinsic value, like I said, are the fundamentals, or because fundamentally they're just not set up correctly yet with infrastructure to be able to purchase this. What's the timeline of making some money on Bitcoin? Uh, well, that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, obviously, it's very hard to prognosticate any sure. short-term or even medium-term price target, but there's some very positive catalysts happening right now. One is the global macro bankrupt. You mentioned in the, uh, in, uh, before we started talking here about the rate cuts this week. Yep. Anything about this monetary policy, this inflationary, um, you know, uh, uh, fueling the growth with, with, with more and more purchases and lower rates, that's inflationary across the whole globe. And that's going to be a, a backdrop that uh, is positive for things like gold and for Bitcoin and other inflation protected assets. But also you have the Bitcoin halving event, which is not necessarily that well known yet, but that just basically means supply is going down and if demand stays the same, price is going higher. So, you know, there is reason to believe that this asset class and Bitcoin especially is definitely going higher. Let's take it to another level. A lot of people who have Bitcoin also have Binance, sure. right? Yeah. So I, tell us what that is for the folks who have no idea. Yeah, I think the, the, the media and, and the high stories are always on Bitcoin because it is the largest and it's the most well-known and it's the one that is going after money. But the entire digital asset ecosystem is much bigger below just Bitcoin. And there is a lot of value to be had there. Um, you know, case in point before I even get into Binance, Fortnite competition this week was a $3 million purse to the winner of Fortnite, right? I that know, I saw you, that. That shows you that the world is going digital, right? People care about digital, even if it's its own little ecosystem. Real money is flowing into it, like Fortnite. The same thing is happening to other digital assets. So Binance is a great example. Binance is the largest crypto exchange. It's a place that allows buyers and sellers to match up and buy different digital assets. But this is a real company. This is not decentralized like Bitcoin. This is a real company with real cash flows and real equity. And you can own a token that is part utility in the sense that you actually get 
reduce trading fees if you use their platform, but it's really an equity-linked note in the sense that you effectively get paid down with the cash flow of this company. So these are the unique characteristics of tokens outside of Bitcoin that are very right. investable. So Binance, it might be behoove me to use their platform. I mean, if I wanted to get into this and someone says, hey, you know, I want to I wanna play this a little bit, do I call my broker? Can I get both through my broker? How do I do that? Right, and that goes back to why is there not more money in this space? No, it's not that easy. Um, you have to sign up for one of these exchanges or one of these other platforms that may not be in your everyday life yet, but probably will be yeah. in the future. So part of the setbacks right now to this digital asset space is it does require a little bit of research or talking to someone or some education in order to make your first purchase. But once that becomes once that starts becoming more mainstream and starts becoming easier, I think you'll start to see uh, a lot of these lesser known tokens really start to take off. And we've had some a few naysayers, President Trump, Mark Cuban, Mnuchin has had some comments. Yeah. Uh, last thought on those folks? Well, I think, again, they're focused exclusively on Bitcoin because that's the biggest and that's the one that they've heard the most. But um, it'd be the equivalent of me saying, uh, you know, I'm a naysayer on healthcare and home builder stocks just because all the media talks about are the FANG stocks. So, you know, you can't dismiss the entire asset class just because one is in the lead and that's right. the one that has the, 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 that's the one that is threatening the most right. to, to uh, governments And globally. you would tell your friends and family, get it. I would say do your research and probably selectively there's some good investments out there or hire a manager like myself who can make those decisions for you. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, so we're seeing this happen and this is going to keep happening throughout the year. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see. <laughs> I know in the past, every time I would turn on a, a channel or a look at anything from the mainstream media, it was just bashing Bitcoin as drug money or <laughs> something like that. So we've we've come a long way in uh, such a short amount of time and we still have years to go. I, I think here in 2020 to 2030 is going to be one of the greatest decades of my lifetime and yours. Seriously, think about it. 2020 having right? That leads into where we think Bitcoin's going to go because at some point it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy like the Matrix and the One. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? I think this next decade, 2020 to 2030, is going to be a very interesting decade for cryptocurrencies. And it's going to have a, a mass uh, adoption period throughout that decade. And I think it's going to potentially, you know, correct this world that we're in right now because it's such a crazy climate, right? Okay, with that, let's go ahead and jump into crypto Twitter. Let's do it. Crypto Twitter. Crypto Twitter. Yeah, so it's pretty funny. Uh, so all these uh, mainstream uh, media companies are talking about Bitcoin, and one CNBC host makes a persuasive case for a 500% increase in Bitcoin. Check it out. In Bitcoin, the, the next halving is in May of 2020. And the do you have an indication of 55,000? Uh, oh, gosh, 55,000. That's what... The, is that right? It's dropped now under 10. We're like I 93, saw 95, yeah. 100 bucks. Uh, you know, it, it, but is, the next halving it's a is, major base breakout on the you chart. You look at stock no. flow. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying this for some of the, <laughs> the Bitcoin <laughs> believers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the maximalists. But yeah, 55. 55 in, uh, after the next halving, which would be around May of, uh, of 2020. What are you laughing at? <laughs> sounds, sounds I'm just laughing at how this just seems like this is the rule. Uh, it's just the way it goes. It cuts, gets cut I, in half I, and then I, it I goes up. I was kidding to ask Katie about that. I know. Then it goes up 10x. Just the way can it look goes. at a couple. I mean, I'll send you some stuff because it's well. The best way to evaluate it is definitely by looking at the chart. It's all yeah, supply right. and demand. It's core, highly correlated exactly. to, you know, the the break. Do you know how long it would take to produce 
with what we produce of gold every year, it would take 62 years to produce that much gold. So if you do the same kind of analysis using Bitcoin or silver or anything, you can come up with some of these flow um, metrics that are highly correlated and may have, gold is no? broken out too. Yes, and that exactly. A silver, I think, is 22 years. I think gold is. So the next having Bitcoin all of a sudden gets up to close to where gold's flow. We'll see. Anyway. Yeah. So it's just interesting to hear him talk about Bitcoin, and it seems like these days he's just always uh, talking about Bitcoin. But uh, he's right. I think leading up into the having, we're going to see something pretty spectacular. Um, so. I think we're at $9,400 Bitcoin right now. So uh, if anything, let's go ahead and jump into Coin360. Let's do it. Crypto360 weather report. All right, so it is July 30th, 2019 at uh, 5 a.m. Central Standard Time, and Bitcoin is at $9,493. We got Ethereum at $208. We have XRP at $0.30, cents, Litecoin at $89, and Bitcoin Cash at $307. Bitcoin dominance is at 64.5% with a total market cap of $262 billion. If we look at our 24-hour change on the green, we got Qcoin shares at $1.65 up 15%. We got Lambda at $0.23 cents up 10%. got Crypto.com chain at $0.06 cents up 10%. We got U-Network at $0.81,000 of a tenth at 7%. And we look at our 24-hour change on the red, we got Japan Content Coin uh, down 30% at 17 cents. We got Ren coin at 10 cents, down 8%. We got Aurora coin at one penny, down 8%. We got Chainlink down 8% on the day at $2.04. We got Ravencoin down 7% on the day at 4 cents. And major market sentiment out there is that we're going to fall below 9,000. Uh, I'm kind of a wait and see approach. <laughs> Till then, I'm going to keep buying more Bitcoin. Okay, with that, let's get on to the end of the show. Sometimes you got to close the door to open a window. I saw a photo, you look joyous. My eyes are green, I eat my veggies. I need to get her out the picture. Love. 
your side, and if you don't, I'll pick you both. It's not a joke. Murder, she wrote. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on all the social channels at Thriller Podcast or find us at thrillerx.com or sign up to our newsletter at thrillercrypto.substack.com. All those are ways to find us and interact with us and talk to us and tell us your favorite things about crypto. Either way, buy Bitcoin, save the world. See you tonight. We got Thriller Coin Talk coming out. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with Har Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Car said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Now go, do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with crypto, and not Car. And remember, buy Bitcoin and save the world. One Satoshi at a time. 